0: Welcome to the myth, legend, and lore podcast. Orkney Inga Saga, Chapter 61 of Earl Paul. A short time after the slaughters had been committed in Jorfiara, the men ran from the church and carried Svein into the house, for he was not yet dead, but insensible, and he died during the night. The Earl commanded everyone to take his seat, as he wished to know for certain who had committed the manslaughters. Then Svein, Asleaf's son, was missed, and it was thought clear that he had done the deed. Then Ivan came and said that it was plainly seen that Spain Briostrip must have killed John. The earl said that no one should touch a hair of Spain Athli's son's head, as this had not been done without provocation. But if he avoids meeting me, he said, he will harm himself by doing so. It was thought most probable that Spain had gone to Karl in Papuli, the brother of Earl Magnus the Holy. He was a great chief, a quiet man and moderate. The earl did not hear Svein that winter, and then he outlawed him. In the spring, the earl visited many of the northern islands to collect his land dues. He made great friends of the chiefs and bestowed presents with both hands. The earl visited Stroma and gave Thorkell Fletir the farm, which Valfiof had, till such a time as he should know where Svein was. Thorkel said, Here the saying does not prove true, that the king has many ears. Although you are an earl, I think it strange that you have not heard of Spain, for I knew immediately that Bishop William had sent him to Holdbody Hundi's son, in the Sudriar, and there he has been all winter. The earl replied, What shall I do with a bishop who has acted thus?" Thorco replied, The bishop should not be blamed for this in critical times like these, and you will need all your friends if rugenwald and his men come from the east. The Earl said that this was true. From Stramsey he went to Renarsee and received an entertainment from Ragnar and her son Thorstein. Ragnar was a wise woman. She and her son had another farm in the Papi. The Earl spent three nights there as he was prevented by weather from going to Kugi in Westry. The Earl and Ragnar spoke of many things. She said to him, There was no great loss in Svein-Briostrip, although he was a brave warrior for he brought on you the hatred of many. I should therefore advise you, in the presence of difficulties that face you, to make as many friends as possible, and to be slow to resent offences. I could wish that you would not attach blame to Bishop William and the other kinsmen of Spain, Asleaf's son, but rather take the bishop into favour, and send word to the Sudriar after Spain to pardon him and restore him his possessions, in order that he may be to you such as his father was. It has long been the custom of noblest men to do a great deal for their friends, and thus to secure support and popularity. The earl replied, You are a wise woman, Ragnar, but you have not yet been made earl of the Orkneys, and you shall not rule the land here. Is it come to this that I must give Svein money in order to be reconciled to him, thinking that it would be to my advantage? Then he became wroth and continued. Let God decide between me and my kinsman, Rogenwald, and may he let it happen to each of us according to his deeds. If I have offended against Rogenwald, I now make the offer of reparation. But if it will invade my dominions, I will thank him my greatest friend who assists me to defend them. I have never seen Rogenwald, and so far from ever having offended him with my knowledge, it is known that I had no part in what my kinsman did. Many replied that to deprive him of his possessions by force of arms would be a most unprovoked assault, and no one spoke of this. When the spring advanced, Earl Paul had beacons kept up in Fair Isle and North Ronaldsea, and almost all the islands, so that each could be seen from the other. A man named Dagfin, Lodvar's son, an active fellow who had a farm in Fiddery, was to keep that beacon and light it if an army were seen coming from Jotland. Earl Rogenwald spent the winter at home in Agdir in Norway, where he and his father had farms and sent messages to his kinsmen and friends. Some of them he visited himself and asked them to assist him with troops and ships to go to the west, and most of them were willing to help him in his need. During the month of Goy, Kohl sent away two transport vessels, one west to England to buy provisions and arms. Solomon took the other south to Denmark. To buy such things as Kohl told him, because he had all the management of their equipment. It was intended that these vessels should return about Easter, and they had arranged to start in the week after Easter. Kol and Rogenvald had one warship each, and Solmund a third. They also had a transport ship with provisions. When they came to Bjorgvin, King Harald was there, and he gave Rogenvald a warship fully manned. John Fott had a warship also. Aslak, the son of Erland from Herner, and the daughter's son of Steiger Thorier, had the sixth. He also had a barge with provisions. Thus they had six large ships, five boats, and three transports. When they were waiting for a fair wind at Herner, a ship came from the west, and they asked for news from the Orkneys, and also what preparations Earl Paul would have if Earl Roganwald came to the west. Chapter 62 Calls Councils. While they were lying at Herner, Earl Rogenwald called together a meeting of his men, and spoke of Earl Paul's preparations, and also of the great enmity the Orkney men showed against himself, since they were going to prevent him from taking his possession of his patrimonial inheritance, which had been justly given to him by the kings of Norway. He made a long and eloquent speech, the conclusion of which was that he intended to go to the Orkneys and gain them, or die there. His speech was approved of by all, and everyone promised him faithful support. Then arose and said, We have heard from the Orkneys that all the islanders will rise with Earl Paul against you to keep you out of your inheritance. They are slow to lay aside the enmity which they have conceived against you, kinsmen. Now it is my counsel to seek for help, where it is likely to be had effectually, and to pray that he may permit you to enjoy these possessions, to whom they rightly belong, namely, the Holy Saint Magnus, your mother's brother. It is my wish that you should make a vow to him, that he may grant you your patrimony and his inheritance. You should promise one thing, that if you obtain those dominions, you will build a stone minster at Kirkivag, More magnificent than any other in these lands, dedicating it to your kinsman, Earl Magnus the Holy, endowing it with money so that it may be fitly established and that his relics in the Bishop's see may be brought there. Everyone thought this was good advice, and the vow was made and confirmed. Then they stood out to sea, and had a fair wind. They landed in Jutland, and the inhabitants there, as well as the Norwegians, were glad to see each other. The Yatlanders were able to tell them much from the Orkneys, and there they stayed for some time. Chapter 63 Of call and Unni Unni who has been mentioned before, and who was an accomplice in the slaughter of Brynjolf, was now advanced in years. Once Call said to him, What plan would you propose, Uni, in order to get the beacon in Fideri discontinued? Or how would you manage to prevent it from being lighted a second time? I put this question to you, because I know you are more ready-witted than most others here present, although here are men of more distinction. Uni replied, I am not a man of invention, and I do not wish the expedition to be made according to my plans. I would rather choose to come afterwards, for then I should follow my own devices. Shortly after, Call had many small boats made ready, and directed their course to the Orkneys. No chiefs took part in this expedition except Cole. When they had gone so far that they thought they could be seen from Frederick, Cole had the sails spread on all the boats, but ordered his men to row backwards in order that their speed might be slow as possible, although the wind was a right astern. The sails were at first hauled into the middle of the masts only, but afterwards higher, as if they were coming nearer to the island. Kall said, These manoeuvres will be seen from Fridery as if the boats were approaching nearer. They will then perhaps light the beacon, but they will go themselves to Earl Paul to tell the news. So when the beacon in Fridery was seen, Thorstein, son, lighted the beacon in renarcy. Then the beacons were lighted one after the other in all the islands, and all the bondi went to the earl, and there was a great gathering of men. When Kol saw the beacon burning, he ordered his men to turn back, saying that this would now cause dissensions among their enemies. This done, Call went back to Yutland, and said to Unni that he should now carry out his scheme. Unni took with him three Yutlanders, and they took a six-oared boat, some provisions and fishing tackle. They went to and He said he was a Norwegian man, but had been married in yatland and had sons there. He further said that he had been robbed by Earl Rogenwald's men and spoke very ill of them. He took a house there, but his sons went out fishing, and he stayed at home himself and took care of the fish they caught. He entered into conversation with the men of the island and became familiar with them and was well-liked. Chapter 64 Of the Orkney Men When Dagven had lighted the beacon, he went to Paul, as has been mentioned before. All the earl's leading men came to him also. A watch was kept for Roggenwald's movements, and it was thought strange that he was nowhere appeared. Still the troops were kept together for three days. Then the islanders began to murmur, saying it was great foolishness to light the beacons when fishermen were seen in their boats. Thorstein, son was blamed for having lighted the beacon in Renarsi. He replied that he could do nothing but light his beacon, when he saw the blaze in Frideri, and said that this had all happened through Dagvin. Dagvin replied, People come more frequently to harm through you, and you cannot blame me for it. Thorstein told him to be silent, and leapt up with an axe and dealt him a heavy blow. Then each man seized his weapons and there was a fray. This was in Rossi, not far from Kirkivag. Sigurd from Westness and his son Hakon Klo and Brynjolf took part with Lodvar, Dagfinn's father, but Thorstein was aided by his kinsmen. Then the Earl was informed of what was going on, and it was a long time until he could part them. Kugi of Westry made a long speech and said, Do not disgrace the Earl by fighting among yourselves. Ere long you will all need your men. Let us take care then not to be disabled or at enmity among ourselves. This has probably happened according to the designs of our enemies and has been a device of theirs to destroy the beacons in this way. Now, they may be expected every day and let us make our plans accordingly. Dagfinn said, No one has any evil intention in this, but we have acted with more thoughtlessness than we ought to have done. Cookie guessed the whole truth and spoke many wise words about it. At last they both agreed that the Earl should judge between them and it was resolved to disperse the gathering, and the people went home. A man named Eric was now appointed to take charge of the beacon in Frideri. When Uni had stopped there a short time, he came to Eric and said, Would you like me to take care of the beacon? I have nothing else to do. I can give it my undivided attention. Eric accepted his offer, and when no one was near, Uni poured water over it and made it so wet that it could not be lighted. Chapter 65. The Beacons of the Orkneys Destroyed Earl Roggenwald and his men said they would wait until the tidal currents were met by an east wind. For then it is hardly possible to go from Westry to Rossi. But with east wind one can sail from Jotland to Westry. For this, Rogenvald and his men waited, and came one Friday evening to Hoffen in Westry, to Helgi who dwelt there. No beacons could be lighted. For when the sails were seen from Fridery, Eric prepared to go to Earl Paul and sent a man to Uni to light the beacon. But when he came, Uni was away. When the man tried to light the beacon himself, it was so wet it would not burn. When Eric heard this, he knew what the matter was and went to Earl Paul and told him. When Earl Rogenwald had arrived in Westry, the islanders ran together. Helgi and Cookie put themselves at their head and their first plan was to try to make peace with the Earl. And their dealings ended in such a way that the Westrymen submitted to Earl Roggenwald and swore him oaths of fealty. Chapter 66. Rogenvald Rules the Orkneys. On Sunday, Earl Roggenwald had a mass celebrated there in the village. As they were standing outside the church, they saw sixteen men approaching unarmed, and with their hair close cut. The Earl's men thought their dress singular and spoke among themselves of who they might be. Then the earl made a ditty. Sixteen have I seen together, with a small tuft on their foreheads. Surely these are women coming, all without their golden trinkets. Now may we of this bear witness. In the west, here all the maidens wear their hair short, that isle Elon lies out in the stormy ocean. After Sunday, Earl Roggenwald's men visited the neighbouring districts, and all the people gave in their submission to the Earl. One night in Westry, the Earl's men became aware that the islanders were holding a secret meeting to devise some treachery against Earl Roggenwald. When the Earl heard of it, he rose and went to the place of the meeting. When he came there, his men had beaten many of the islanders, and had taken Farmer Coogie and put him in fetters, saying that he was the author of all these proceedings. Coogee pled his cause eloquently, and many put in a word for him, and protested his innocence with him. And then the earl sang. I can see the crooked irons fastened round the legs of Coogee. Stray thou canst not in thy fetters, old man. Fond of making night trips? Now you must hold not night meetings, and must keep the peace established. Coogee, all your tricks are hindered, and your oaths you must keep sacred. The Earl pardoned them all, and they renewed their compact. Chapter 67 of Earl Rogenbald and Paul After Rogenbald's arrival in the Orkneys, and when many had submitted to him, Earl Paul held a meeting in Rossi with his men for consultation. The Earl asked their opinion of what was to be done in these difficulties. There were considerable differences of opinion. Some advised Earl Paul to share his dominions with Earl Roggenwald. But most of the most powerful men and the Bondi wished to buy roganwald away with money and offered their means for that purpose. Others were for fighting, as they said that this had been the successful way before. Earl roganwald had spies at the meeting, and when they came to him, the Earl asked a certain scald who had been there for news, and he sang, Of our foes I gained this knowledge, that our secrets they are brooding from the meeting of the Bondi, as the great chief heard the tidings, that among the powerful feeders of the wolves, the wish prevails that all your ships should leave the islands, and that Paul should rule the land here. Then Earl Roggenwald sent his men to see the bishop, and asked for his intervention. He also sent for Thorstein Ragnarsson, and Thorstein son in Sandy, and requested them to try and make peace between him and his kinsmen. The bishop procured a fortnight's truce, in order that they might endeavour to establish a more lasting peace. Then the islands were allocated, and should maintain each of them in the meantime. O'Rogenvald went to Rossi, and Paul went to Rousei. At this time, it happens that the kinsmen of Svein Asleaf's son, John Vang of Upland and Hay, and Ricard of Brekur in Stronsi, attacked Thorkil Fletir on the estate which belonged to Valtheov and burnt him in the house with nine others. After that, they went to Oroggenwald, and told him that they should go to Earl Paul with the whole body of their kinsmen, if he would not receive them. But he did not turn them away. As soon as Hathlidi Thorko's son heard of his father's burning, he went to Earl Paul, who received him very well. After this, John and his men bound themselves to serve Oroggenwald, who now had many followers in the islands and had become popular. Earl Roggenwald gave leave to John, Salmond and Aslak, and many others of his partisans, to go home, but they said they preferred to wait until matters should be definitely settled. Earl Roggenwald replied, If it is the will of God that I should gain possession of the Orkneys, I think he and the Holy Earl Magnus, my kinsman, will give me strength to hold him, even if you go home to your estates. Then they went home to Norway. Chapter 68 Svein takes Earl Paul captive. Early in the spring, Svein, the Asleaf's son, left the Sudriar and went to Scotland to see his friends. He stayed a long time at Athol, with Earl Madad and Margaret Hacken's daughter, and had many secret consultations with them. Svein heard that there were disturbances in the Orkneys, and became desirous of going there to see his kinsmen. He first went to Thurso in Caithness, accompanied by a nobleman Named Leotolf. Spain had stayed with him a long time. In the spring, they came to Earl Otter at Thorsey, the brother of Fracork. Leotolf tried to make them compose the matters that had been done by Fracork's orders, and Earl Otter made a compensation for his part. He promised his friendship to Spain, and he promised to Otter in return to help Erland, the son of Harold Sletmali, to obtain his patrimony in the Orkneys when he should wish to claim it. Svein changed ships there, and took a barge manned by thirty men. He crossed the Pentland Firth with a north-easterly wind, and so along the west side of Rossi, and along the Sound to Rousey. At the end of the island there is a large headland, and a vast heap of stones beneath it. Otters often resorted to this stone heap. As they were rowing along the Sound, Svein said, There are men on the headland. Let us land and ask them for news. Let us change our dress and tie our hammocks. And twenty of us lie down there, and ten keep on rowing. Let us go leisurely. When they came near the headland, the men in the island called to them to row to West Ness, and bring Earl Paul what was in their vessel, thinking that they were speaking to merchants. Earl Paul had spent the night at a feast with Sigurd at West Ness. He had been up early in the morning, and twenty men had gone south on the island to catch otters, which were in the stone heap beneath the headland. They were going home to get a morning draft. The men in the barge rowed near the land. They asked the men on shore all about the news, and asked what news they brought and whence they came. Sven's men also asked where the earl was, and the other said he was on the stone heap there. This was heard by Sven and those that lay head with him in the skin bags. Sven told them to row to land, where they could not be seen from the headland. Then he told his men to get their weapons, and slay the earl's men wherever they found them, and so they did. Svein's party killed nineteen men, and lost six. They seized Earl Paul with violence, and brought him on board their ship, and stood out to sea, returning by the same way, by the west side of Rossi, and through the channel between Hay and Grimsey, and then by the east of Svelger, thence to Bredaford, until they came to Echelsbaki. There he left the ship with twenty men, and continued his journey until he came to Earl Madad and Margaret, Earl Paul's sister, at Athol. There they were well received. Earl Madad placed Earl Paul in his high seat, and when they were seated, Margaret entered with a long train of ladies, and advanced to her brother. Then men were procured to amuse them, but Earl Paul was moody, and it was no wonder, for he had many cares. It is not recorded what passed between Earl Paul and Svein while they were on their journey together. Earl Madad, Margaret and Svein had a consultation together, but in the evening, when the drinking was finished, Svein's followers were conducted to a sleeping room by themselves, and the key turned upon them. This was done every evening while they were there. Chapter 69 of Svein, Asleaf's son returns to the Orkneys. One day, Margaret announced that Svein, Asleaf's son, should go to the Orkneys to see of And ask him who he preferred to share in the dominion of the Orkneys with him Earl Paul or Harold, the son of her husband Madad, who was then three winters old. When Earl Paul heard this, he said, So far as my mind is concerned, I will say that I have left my dominions in such a way as never has been heard of before, I think, and I shall never return to the Orkneys any more. I see that this must be God's vengeance for the theft which I and my kinsmen committed, but if God thinks the dominion mine, then I will give it to Harold, if he may enjoy it. But I wish some money given to me, so that I might establish myself in some monastery, and you can take care that I do not escape. And you, Svein, shall go out to the Orkneys, and say that I have been blinded, or still more mutilated, because my friends will fetch me if I am an unmaimed man. In that case, I may not be able to refuse to return to my dominions with them, for I suspect that they will consider our parting a greater loss than it is. What more, the earl said, has not been placed on record. Then Svein, Asleaf's son, went to the Orkneys, and Earl Paul remained behind in Scotland. This is how Svein related these matters. But some men tell the story, that Margaret induced Svein, Asleaf's son, to blind her brother Earl Paul, and then throw him into a dungeon and subsequently induced another man to put him to death. We do not know which of these two statements is the more correct, but it is well known that Earl Paul never again came to the Orkneys, and that he had no dominions in Scotland. Chapter 70 Of Earl Roganbald and Svein, Asleaf's son It happened at Westness, when the Earl did not come home, that Sigurd sent men to search for him, when they came to the stone heap they saw the slain, and then they thought the earl had been killed. They went home and told the news. Sigurd went immediately to examine the bodies, and they recognised nineteen as the earl's men, but six they did not know. Then Sigurd sent men to Egglesey, to the bishop, to tell him the news. He went immediately to Sigurd. When they were talking about what happened, Sigurd hinted that it had been done at the instigation of Earl Rogenwald. But the bishop replied that it would be proved that Earl Ruggenwald had not acted treacherously towards his kinsman, Earl Paul. It is my opinion, he said, that some others have committed this crime. When the news spread in the islands that Earl Paul had disappeared and no one knew what had become of him, the islanders had a consultation and most of them went to Earl Ruggenwald and swore fealty to him. But Sigurd of Westness and his sons Brynjolf and Hakon Klo. Said they would not swear oaths of fealty to any man, while they did not know anything of Earl Paul, or whether he might be expected to return or not. There were others who also refused to swear oaths to Earl Roggenwald. Others again fixed an hour and a day when they would become Earl Roggenwald's men if Earl Paul had not then been heard of. But when Earl Roggenwald saw that he had to do with many powerful men, he did not refuse peremptorily anything which the people asked, and as the time passed. He had frequent meetings with the inhabitants, and at each of them some submitted to him. One day it happened in Kirkevag when Orogenvald was holding a thing meeting with the Bondi, but nine armed men were seen walking from Skapa to the meeting. When they came near, Svein Asleaf's son was recognised, and all were curious to know what news he had to tell. He had come in a ship to Skapa and left it there, while he and his men walked to Kerkjavag. When Sven came to the meeting, his kinsmen and friends turned to him and asked him for the news, but he did not say much. Sven sent for the bishop, who welcomed him heartily because they had long been friends. They went aside to talk, and Sven told the bishop the whole truth about what he had done, and asked for his advice in these difficult circumstances. The bishop said, Those are weighty tidings you have brought, Sven and we shall probably not be by ourselves sufficient in this matter. I wish you to wait here for me, but I shall plead your cause before the people and Earl Vrogenbald. Then the bishop went to the meeting and asked for silence. When silence was obtained, the bishop pleaded Svein's cause, explaining for what reason he had left the Orkneys and what penalties Earl Paul had inflicted on him for the slaying of Svein Briostrip, a most wicked man. The bishop concluded, by asking Oroggenwald and all the people there to grant security to Svein. Oroggenwald replied, For my part, I promised Svein three nights security, but I think I can see from your countenance, Sir Bishop, that you and Svein know some great news which you have not yet made known. I wish you to take Svein into your keeping and be responsible for him, and I will speak to him tomorrow. I will, said the bishop and he will be very glad to speak to you as soon as possible, for he wishes to become your man if you are willing to receive him. The Earl replied, I do not think my friends are too many in these lands, yet I still shall have some further talk before I consent to this. Then these four, Earl Roggenwald, his father Kohl, the bishop and Spain Asleaf's son, had a private interview. Spain repeated everything, good and bad. As it happened between him and Earl Paul, and they came to the conclusion to send away the bulk of the people at the meeting. The Earl arose next morning and gave the people permission to go home, but when the multitude had gone away, he called together all those that had remained and made them all renew their promise of security to Spain while he told the news. In the morning, Magnus Carl, the brother of the Holy Earl Magnus, was persuaded to tell Sigurd of Westness and his sons of Earl Paul's abduction. That he was not to be expected back to his dominions, and that he had been maimed. Sigurd said, Great news do I think this, about the carrying away of the earl. Yet to me, the saddest of all is that he should have been maimed, for he was not to be anywhere, but I would not go with him. Afterwards, he told his friends that Hakon would not have left him unharmed, if he had had sufficient force with him when he had told him these tidings, so greatly was he moved by them. When the news became generally known, all the Orkney men submitted to Earl Rogenvald, and he became the sole ruler of Earl Paul's dominions. Not long after this, the foundations of St Magnus' church were marked out, and craftsmen procured, so that more was done during that year than in the ensuing four or five. Colt took great interest in the erection of the building, and had the principal oversight of the whole, but as it proceeded it became very expensive to the Earl, and his means were nearly exhausted. Then he consulted his father, and he advised him to pass a law declaring that the earl should be considered to have inherited all the odal possessions from their owners, but that they were to be redeemable by their heirs. This was considered a great hardship. Then Earl Rugenwald called a thing meeting, and proposed to the bondi that they should purchase the odal possessions, so that it would not be necessary to redeem them afterwards and an agreement was made with which all parties were satisfied. It was to this effect that they should pay the earl one mark for each plough's land over all the islands. From that time there was no want of money to build the church, and it was made a magnificent structure.